0: Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Erin. You can also find us every Monday morning from 5.30 to 6. Uh, I got to speak with a returning guest of the show uh, today. Her name is Lauren Greenfield. She is the director of the film The Kingmaker, all about de Marcos and uh, that Philippine regime and how they are back. Um, we had Lauren on the show uh, in 2018 talking about her previous film Generation Wealth which was also a a photography book because she is a photographer as well and um, just really lovely to have her back she remembered me Uh, my teammates weren't there which was super sad Um, but she remembered them too and she was happy to be back on Bitch Talk this film will be out in theaters but also on Showtime so please look for it It is um, very eye-opening what is happening in the Filipino government and to the people of the Philippines. And um, we also have a subject of the film. His name is Andy Bautista. You'll hear from him towards the end of this interview. So uh, please relax and settle in and uh, enjoy the interview. We have Lauren Greenfield on the show again. Thank you for being on Bitch Talk. Uh, you are a photographer. You are a director. Uh, you brought us Generation Wealth last year. We interviewed you for that. I just listened to it again. Um, we had a good time with you, <laughs> especially talking about your sons. Um, this time you're bringing us The Kingmaker. And wow, that's all I'm going to say for now, Lauren. Um, how did the story get into your hands?
1: Yeah, the story. Long story long. <laughs> It kind of started, it kind of grew in a way out of my work looking at wealth that you saw in Generation Wealth. Amelda um, Marcos had long been a kind of iconic reference in thinking about wealth, but I'd never had the chance to meet her. And I read an article by a journalist named William Miller about an island of animals that she created in the 70s that I had never heard of before, where she depopulated an island in the South China Sea. Of its indigenous population and brought in more than a hundred African animals on a boat, a kind of Noah's Ark. And <laughs> cut to 1986, they get thrown into exile, thrown out of the country, accused of stealing five to ten billion dollars after 20 plus year dictatorship. And the animals are left there to fend for themselves. There's a very loving caretaker, but no resources, no vets, no anything. So that was kind of my origin for the story. I thought, of course we know about the shoes, but here's this ultimate extravagance that involves animals and human rights and a way to kind of really look at the long-term consequences of wealth and power and these decisions that are kind of ultimately uh, – um, that are impulsively made from the seat of power. Yeah. Um, and I thought it would also be a survivor story for Amelda that – here she was, 85 at the time, and how did she rehabilitate herself? How did she manage to get back to the Philippines after being thrown out and then become a congresswoman? So that was kind of my starting point. I, I, I thought it was mostly going to be looking at history mm-hmm. and you know maybe a little bit of of, of of the survival question in the present day, but what happened was the present just came rushing in with – uh, election and a, and it became a political story about money and power, and basically Amelda decides to run her son for vice president. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, when I started, he hadn't declared yet, but even once he declared, nobody thought he had a chance of getting any traction. Mm-hmm. And the story just completely changed. When he did get traction, he became the front runner, and it became a comeback story and more darkly, a look at the return of authoritarian regimes and what happens when we don't remember history.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you surprised by the access that you got to Imelda and her son Bong, Bong during this filming? I mean, I was
1: grateful for the access. I always want more, <laughs> <laughs> and I tried. Um, I think, you know, they, they gave me really incredible access Um, for politicians and I think the thing that was amazing about Imelda is her candor and how she just kind of drops revelations all the time and on the other hand she is very conscious of cameras and press and has lines that she repeats over and over again and how do you get beyond that in the beginning I thought it might be a redemption story and she would kind of discover something along the way I was hoping for that I was hoping for it too. Waiting for it, waiting for it. You know, you don't wanna have uh, anti-hero at the the beginning, but what happened I think is that she leaned into the story and eventually the country went with her. Mm -hmm. And so while there was really no character development from her, except for that she just kind of gained strength I think in the process, country changed and and our world changed too mm. and even the, well, the election of Duterte and then the election of Trump I think really changed the story that I saw and the story that I wanted to tell
0: yeah and it was interesting she never really changed
1: through the whole process
0: same I outfits, know same you know, everything
1: I, th- I think it's like for me, it's a it's a lesson about listening while you're making a documentary film, because sometimes it's like very um, like Buddhist or something. Like sometimes you're always fighting against what you're getting. I want it to be this. I want it to be that. I want to have this discovery. I want to have this redemption. But what I realized were the things that I thought might not be working, like her not having any character development really turned out to be the reveal about her character Mm -hmm. that she was leaning into her story she wasn't going to apologize she was sticking with her story and she was going to get everybody to go with her and you know when we see that scene in the school where the children are not remembering history correct yeah and they're echoing the the lines that she's been telling it's a chilling revelation of her power of rewriting history
0: yeah Um, What were some of the moments that you were most surprised by during filming?
1: Oh, there were so many surprises. Um, I was surprised and thrilled when I got to shoot her shoe closet. (laughs) I was surprised. So um, I interviewed the head of the Commission of Good Government, the Presidential Commission of Good Government, Mm -hmm. which was created after... Um, the revolution after Cory Aquino became president to go after the ill-gotten wealth of the Marcos. They stole 5 to $10 billion. And um, when I thought it was going to be an interview with the head of it, Andy Bautista, just about the past. But what happened was while we were filming during 2000, when we were filming, um, they did a raid on all of her houses and apartments looking for paintings. So again oh, yes. <laughs> it was like coming oh. rushing into the present. <laughs> yes. And I think one of the big surprises because Andy tells this story about how they basically didn't let them up into the apartment for two hours and by the time they get there, a lot of the paintings are missing.
0: How was that for you? Because you know that you know what what was happening. And then you're seeing one, you're seeing one setting and then you're seeing the other. and how I mean, it's I was really exciting
1: because I was really excited because at that point I realized that my job was to try to tell the truth as I saw it, and that um, there was a lot of um, disinformation coming from the Marco side. And <laughs> so I was thrilled to be able to see, the missing paintings. After having heard about the story from Andy, and also to ask her about it. But I think the reason that she let me in was because um, she felt wronged by them taking the paintings. You know, she felt like Andy said that the the things were hers, that they were theirs. That even if they came from Philippine Treasury funds, that because they were the leaders, they were theirs. And so, um, you know, similarly, I think the, the one of the biggest surprises. Was when she invited me into this room in her ancestral home, which she called the gymnasium, where there was displayed all of the court documents Mm -hmm. from U.S. versus Marcos, and it's each one has the name of a different bank, or a building in New York, multi-million dollar buildings, or the Golden Buddha, which it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was in a way. I mean, for. I think any other eye looks like the documents of her culpability of money laundering of yeah. all the money that they had all over the world and yet she's displaying it proudly in almost like a museum quality installation in her own home yeah. and I I the only conclusion I can come to is that for her it's proof of her innocence that she did yeah. win that case totally. And she's proud of, you know, that's why I call her indomitable. It's like she's unstoppable. And it's, you see it in the scene where she's showing me the pictures of the foreign leaders. And I have to laugh because <laughs>
0: they just fall over and
1: crash. And she just keeps going. She keeps going. And her
0: help or whoever they are just pick it up and put it together like it never happened.
1: It was, it's a weird moment. Yeah. And she doesn't acknowledge them. Not at all. And we, and our camera does. Right. And that's kind of what I tried that. to do in the film is let her tell her story. Let us understand why she's telling that story and how effective that story is. But let's also hear from the people affected by their regime and affected by their decisions. I'm
0: guessing you never were able to interview her help. That wasn't that wasn't part of the process.
1: No, no. Um, I don't think they would have been comfortable. Um, I did definitely, we did focus on them though, like Mm -hmm. whenever we could. Um, And I think it's one of those ways that um, the nonverbal moments in her interviews really speak volumes. You know, seeing how she's cared for by the help, seeing what she says to them or looks at them. And um, there's this amazing woman, Shirley, who's always with her. And who's one of her jobs is to carry cash for her to give
0: out. She's the money lady. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Have the Marcoses seen this film?
1: They have not. We have not – well, it hasn't opened here yet. Right. But we would like – we would very much like to show it in the Philippines but haven't um, figured out exactly how. Mm Hmm. Um,
0: Are you afraid for your safety at all if you go back to the Philippines?
1: I mean, I think Duterte is a scary um, leader and somebody who's been shown to um, not have any tolerance for opposition or critical viewpoints. And so now that the film is out and is critical, um, I don't know if it would be a good idea for me to go back. I always hesitate to, to... be concerned about my own safety in the sense that I think that um, people in the Philippines, especially poor people, as we see in mm-hmm. the drug war, are the ones who are most at risk. And you know, when um, and and when we were shooting, certainly we um, had a, we were shooting the street killings, but we also had some privileges being Western journalists. That said. Um, Duterte has gone after journalists and 13 journalists have been killed since he's been in office and Mm -hmm. the 85 attacked. And it's called the most dangerous peacetime country in Southeast Asia for Mm -hmm. journalists. So um, but I worry really for the journalists that are there and working today Mm -hmm. and um, and also for the people brave enough to speak out. Yeah. Um, Will you be surprised
0: when Bong Bong is president? Um, Because it
1: feels like that it's just going to happen either way. I don't know. Um, I, I will be surprised that I won't be surprised. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, there's so many things that happen that seem like they would never happen both in our country and in theirs. And, um, and yet, you know, a lot of the kind of predict predictors go in that direction. The Supreme court's getting loaded, uh, for Duterte, um, he certainly wants bong bong to be in there as vice presidency and not as vice president and not lenny robredo right. who won the election um time will tell
0: yeah lauren greenfield thank you for this film thank you for your eye thank you for your investigative work i i really appreciate it thank you
1: so much of course. love being on your show oh, good. good you're a bitch, bitch talk, so. bitch
0: talk. <laughs> Andy Bautista is part of the film Kingmaker uh, that Lauren Greenfield has directed. Um, he has served as the Philippines Chair of the Commission on Elections. He's chair, he was Chair of the Presidential Commission on Good Government. He recovered the ill-gotten wealth accumulated during the Marcos regime, about $1.5 billion. He has a Master's in Law from Harvard. You could go on and on. Um, my question for you is, because of your work getting back the money from the Marcoses, um that they use for their personal expenditures, uh, you have a target on your back. Can you talk through the evolution of your work to where you are now?
2: Well, before I joined um, public service in the Philippines, I used to work actually in, in New York as a lawyer. I worked uh, with a Wall Street firm, White and Case, and then uh, I was in New York for five years, moved to Hong Kong. Uh, became a partner, uh, then moved to a British law firm. So I've always been in the private sector. I was appointed to the Commission on Good Government in 2010. At that time, the agency was already 25 years old. Mm. So just to place it in context, it was created in 1986, executive order number one, and its main objective is to recover and remit back to the national treasury the ill-gotten wealth of the Marcoses. I'd like to think we did well, and yes, uh, about 1.5 billion out of the four billion dollars that were um, recovered. Uh, but also, again, when uh, in 1986 the initial estimate of the Marcos' ill-gotten wealth was close to 10 billion dollars, so you can just imagine if, you know, that amount in. 86 terms, what would that amount? It's huge. Exactly. Yeah. So, And then after um, uh, working with the Commission on Good Government, I was appointed the chair of the Commission on Elections, Mm -hmm. and uh, was with a team that administered the 2016 elections, which, modesty aside, uh, has been described as arguably the best elections in Philippine history. Mm -hmm. Although for the vice-presidential contest, it was close and mm-hmm. this was even predicted uh before election date. it was similar to say the bush versus gore oh, election totally. in 2000, 2000 or yeah. even the one in uh, 2016 that right. was another close election yeah. uh but then again maybe because of the work that i did for the pcgg here and uh, i was also being blamed that there was supposed to be cheating that happened for the vice presidential <laughs> right. position
0: yeah.
2: only but and for the that others. you
0: a little bit. Yes, so again, I, yeah.
2: well, but again, it's uh, I guess par for the course. Mm-hmm. It was something that uh, I got myself into and I had personal problems in the Philippines that was politicized. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's another story though, uh, maybe for another film, but mm-hmm. uh, here I am now.
0: Yeah. And how, um, how and why did you end up in Oklahoma? I have brothers. I
2: have brothers who, who live in Oklahoma and I have a brother who's a doctor Uh, at that time. um, I also needed some medical help, so he was there.
0: And you felt it necessary to move from the Philippines to the States because of the political pressure that was happening?
2: That's correct. Well, not just political pressure, but also there was um, persecution Mm -hmm. uh, being done against myself and and my family.
0: Mm -hmm. do you see a scenario in which you can return safely to the Philippines?
2: I think that you know there will always be a possibility of that, and in fact, part of me wants to go back already. But at the same time, I have to weigh um, the various factors, and I cannot just think of myself, but I also have to think of other family members. Mm-hmm. So, but I always adopt a wait and see attitude. Mm-hmm. Funny thing was that uh, before, um, when I was in New York, they were offering me a green card and I said, thanks, but no thanks because mm. I I want to go back to the Philippines, mm-hmm. which I did.
0: Recently that happened?
2: That was in the 1990s.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. And you want to go back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So oh. you never know in life. You no, don't you hang.
0: don't. You don't know. Um, were you surprised by the blatant corruption that is shown in the film?
2: Not really. Although, well, because again, or that what
0: Lauren was able to film.
2: It was my job to to focus on that ill-gotten wealth mm-hmm. for for close to five years. So I was not that surprised. Having said that, there were revelations made that I was not aware of, mm. even if I was the head of that agency. Like for example, the one hundred seventy bank accounts. That was the first time I heard that, and I we did not have evidence, mm. uh, you know, in that regard, and. The other thing, though, is that um, I think that there should have been more focus on, you know, as opposed to the shoes, because Imelda Marcos has always been branded as the shoe queen. Right. But when you think about yeah. it, again, there are more substantial assets that were purchased.
0: The buildings, buildings, I have no idea.
2: paintings, right? The jewelry, right. you know, that the paintings. There are there were over 300 in our list, and 160 remain missing and i think in the film it was captured at one of that hundred sixties just a picasso just a michelangelo yeah. and things like that the jewelry the jewelry can rival that of um queens uh, uh, and princesses in europe so uh, i said very substantial hoard of assets
0: yeah um what do you hope audiences take away with you after seeing the kingmaker
2: well I think we really have to think about certain statements that uh, Mrs. Marcos made and it's a, in a way counterintuitive when she says that perception is real and the truth is not.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: In fact, if you look at the Showtime documentary mantra, they say truth is more powerful than fiction. Mm-hmm. But essentially what she's saying is that that's not true. Right,
0: The opposite. It's the
2: opposite. <laughs> right. Okay? And then the other famous line she made was towards the end of the film when she said that the past is the past, you should forget the past. In fact, it doesn't exist, mm-hmm. which is again, goes against this whole concept that, well, the past will always be part of us. We have to learn from the mistakes of the past and that it will always be there this is part of our history and that's why to me this is well it has been described as a as a dark fairy tale and just like any fairy tale though i think we should try to uh, learn more about it and uh, try to figure out who's telling the truth and to my mind i more than just watching the movie i think it's the responsibility of the audience to really dig deep into the facts that, yeah, the movie will open uh, your eyes in respect of certain things that happened in the Philippines, but go ahead and conduct more research Mm -hmm. and try to figure out really um, what happened. Because to be honest, this is also tip of the iceberg. I know uh, Lauren told me that the movie is quite extensive over an hour and 40 mm-hmm. minutes, and yet this is only two to three percent of the footage that she shot. So there's a lot more out there, and I also have a lot more stories. I'm sure. um, but in the meanwhile, I, know, I think um, the lessons of the movie are particularly relevant to Filipinos, but at the same time, they are of universal application, and uh, things that are happening in the Philippines are happening elsewhere around the world, mm-hmm. including yep here in the United States. So, hey, it's a good uh, discourse that I think we should all participate in. and So, people are encouraged to watch the movie.
0: Yeah, Andy, thank you for opening up in this film. Thank you for your stories and for your honesty and for your truth, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. That was photographer, director, Lauren Greenfield, friend of the show, and uh, one of the subjects of her documentary, Andy Bautista, from the um, documentary The Kingmaker, about de Marcos and the Marcos regime in the Philippines. Um, please find it. Very eye-opening. Um, had no idea what was happening in the Philippines. Knew a little bit, but not the whole story. So please find this film. See what's happening outside of our bubble and um, let us know how you like it. You can email us at therealbtpod at gmail.com or uh, just tag us in any of our socials. You can find those socials at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us streaming on bff.fm every Monday from 5.30 to 6 a.m. We were powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please!